Alright, here we are then, episode two of The Plug. Very privileged to have Ned Bradshaw and Neil Prince here with me for episode two here. Uh, this week we've got we got a new sponsor in, BMOSO, so massive thanks to those guys. We'll be talking about them a little bit later on, but big thanks to BMOSO for um, making the show happen today. Like I say, privileged to have Neil and Nev here, two very busy boys. What have you been up to the last few weeks since or since the last show, and specifically with young Mr. Tate? The other uh, day. Yeah, no, it's been a busy couple of weeks since then. Um, just been busy with the training schools, obviously, been flat out to that. And then I managed to do, I've done one race, the first round of the MCA Championship. And then, uh, yeah, Tate's got this little, like, Osset type of thing. So Tate is your eldest. Yeah, he's uh, he's turning six soon. And uh, we've got Braxton, which is the youngest one. We've got him, like, a little, like, electric balance bike. Oh, yeah, like one of those static. <clears throat> yeah, that's it. We've got them, they're quite cool. And Tate was like, oh, I want to try it. So he tried it because he's never been into motorbikes before. So he tried it and oh, he thought he was the bollocks, he can do skids on it and stuff. And he's like, I really want to try riding a motorbike again. I'm like, are you sure, dude? Yep, yep, I reckon I can do it. All my, all my cousins can do it, I can do it. So I was like, all right, I'm going to go get sort you out. I'm going to take you riding. Yeah, You're smiling yeah, already, I can <laughs> see it. Yeah, so I'm like, this is awesome. <laughs> yeah. So go buy him a bike. Got him like a little CRF 50, just because like the power comes in nice on it on the four-stroke. Um, so got him that, got him some sick kit. Helmet, boots, the whole deal, dude. He looked like McGrath. Yeah, he was loving it. So I take him to, I went practice in the morning myself to get ready for that race. And then after school, picked him up quickly, rushed him, and he had to go to parents' evening. So just rushed him quickly, got him to VRP, and the guy said, I'll oh, just take him down the back. So we're going up and down, sweet. You can do it like I'm running behind, mm-hmm. on the gas, off the gas. He's doing it, sweet. And then I tied like a rope on the bike and ran behind him, and he did like two, two, two or three laps. And he could kind of do it, he just doesn't... Was he liking it? Was yeah, he yeah, no, he was digging it, yeah, yeah, but he just doesn't, he, he doesn't know you've got to chop the gas to turn. <laughs> so he's digging it and stuff, and he's like, oh, I'm hungry. So by this time, his mom gets there. And uh, so I'm like, okay, cool, you've only got another 10 minutes because you've got to go to your parents' evening. So I said, just go in the circle, I'm going to let you go on your own for the first time. Go in the circle, mate. As I let him go, he turns the first corner, and the back end goes, and he just goes like that, wide open. So his mom's standing there with the other baby in, in her arm, and he's just wide open, and I'm sprinting behind him, sprinting, <laughs> saying, brake, brakes, brakes, off, off, off. And he's just frozen with the gas on. <laughs> Sam's just, like, screaming, like, dude, like she's giving birth, just screaming. And I'm running it so fast, trying to grab the brake. What, screaming in, like, she's scared, like? Yeah, no, screaming, dude, because she can see what's happening. Yeah. She literally wet herself, dude. She literally, she had to go home <laughs> When and you said that, I thought he was, like, she was laughing at no, it. No, 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 no ways, dude, she wasn't laughing. That wasn't funny, dude. <laughs> so I'm running behind him, and I'm, we're running up to this berm. It wasn't a berm. There's actually a banking on the side of the track, yeah. and I'm looking at the angle of this, and I'm like, This angle would be pretty, dude. <laughs> he hits this bank, absolutely pent, pent, set down, and he just turns upside down like this, oh, right? He's no. flying to the air, lands on his head, <laughs> and then the bike punts him on the back, and he's just screaming, screaming, screaming. And I'm like, I told you to stop. <laughs> I was like, thinking, Let me shout at him so that he takes his mind away. And then that was it. I was done, dude. Like, the honestly, like, he almost missed the parents' evening because I thought he was going to hospital. And I thought, like, that's the second time that he's been on a motorbike two times, and it's the second time has happened. And, dude, like, with the next one, because the next one really likes kids, I'm going to pay someone to take them, teach them how to ride, because I'm not <laughs> that's, your, that's your actual <laughs> job, Yeah, man. I know, but, dude, like, it's different when it's your own kids. So, so his career's over, right? Yeah, he's done. He's Whose never... decision was that? His, Sam's, or yours? All three at the same All time, We sat there, and I looked at her, and she goes, you, you, you're quite pale. And I'm like, that was bad. <laughs> She's like, I'm like, he's never riding a bike. I said, and he's tight, like, can't even breathe. He's got a massive bruise on his shoulder. He's ridden his first time with off on his first day. 
And he's like, no, nah, it's not for him. But and then and then phones me the next day. He's on the Isle of Wight. Oh, Daddy, can I go out on the Estrada? And I'm like, no, mate. Like you're done. Like you don't understand. Like you're not riding any motorbike <laughs> again ever. So yeah, there was a short-lived uh, motocross career for him. So saved me some money. Mate, or it's like when someone's working for you, watching you ride, and you make yeah. a mistake and go down. You're like, <gasps> yeah. Your heart's in your mouth. And when yeah. it's your own little one, like yeah, like mine, right? Yeah. And your your heart's in your mouth. It's like scary, man. Honestly, how's like how Chaz's career coming along? Is he still is he still riding? Uh, he, he rides. If I take him out, like he's edging to go out for bigger wheels in the bike now. So, uh, but he's like really chilled out. Mm. Like you, you normally put big engines in, don't you? Yeah, normally, if I can get a bigger <laughs> piston, it's going in there. But, big um, big ball <laughs> <laughs> Don't start that again. <laughs> um, so, no, we, we don't push him. And, like, I've got no interest. Like, like Neville says, like, uh, let him ride. If he wants to ride, he can ride. You know, and it's like, take, if he comes home and says, I want to ride again, you, you, if he wants to do it, you've kind of got to give him that chance, you know. And I think with the little bikes, it takes a bit for him to understand when you shut the throttle off, the bike stops. Because, you know, when you're teaching people like Neville teaches and I teach years ago, is um, it's very hard to get that. I mean, we still get whiskey throttle nowadays. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, like the weekend, you had bad pump up at the championship. Especially when you're 36 years old on a 450. <laughs> yeah, you know, and you've got to shut it off and your, your arm actually doesn't work. And you have, a, you have a few, like, say, two seconds of where you haven't shut it off. Honestly, your heart rate goes from 160 to 200 mm-hmm. within a second. You know, and that second, you, you're still under control. But still, your heart rate... Mm. You know, it's uh, it's, yeah, it's nice pretty scary, really. Sport, man. It oh, is, yeah. Definitely. So, Neil, let's just finish in what you've been up to, where you've been. Obviously, Matley Basin two weekends ago, just back from Falconsvard, and then you're jetting off again tomorrow. Yeah, it's been the uh, last three weeks have been pretty old. last two to three weeks have been busy with Joel, um, trying to get ready for Valkensvard. Um I looked after Charlie Putnam at Matley Basin mm. on the EMX... E- EMX2T. Yeah, 2T. Um, well pointed out. Um, that was interesting. That was a good event. Yeah. Uh, Charlie really surprised me. Like, he went really well. Um, you know, like, he, he practices or he rides practicing very relaxed. And he doesn't sometimes race him where he was relaxed. And Matt loves to jump. Um, a couple of times I thought he'd lost it, whipping it too much. I really did think he'd lost it. Um, but he, he saved One it. One of those moments. So yeah, he had, he had, yeah, he did okay. He got points in both races, which was important. And I think the second race, if he was a little bit fitter, he'd have got probably. Is he doing the whole never. series of that, or just that one? I think that's the plan. It wanted to see how it went at um, Matley Basin. It went well, so probably will do the rest of the events as well. Um, it's it's a good championship. Do you oh, know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. Like uh, people like Neville can still do that championship yeah, and Brad and be on the podium. And Ando, like that day, shout out to him. Like you know, last year. I watched a few races and he was kind of you you weren't sure if he was going to win the race where at Matley you watched yeah. them races he was going to win them whatever you know he went down and still come still back to I do them I think Brad is like that though like when we were teammates in 04 we did um, the GP the British GP and I couldn't believe like the guy was getting shirts done like he's got that real British pride Brad yeah. does oh yeah 100%. And, like, that is like a big weekend for him you know yeah. like he's got all his fans watching all his sponsors and you know, like, I think Brad is, like, a really big, mess temperament type of guy. Yeah. Like, he's, like, when, when it needs to count, Brad does make mm-hmm. it count, you know. And fair play on that weekend, you know, like, 36, 37 years yeah, old, you know, like, and he's still it. taking it. Especially, the- like, considering the hit he took at Hawkstone and then to bounce back from that. And I was surprised to see him at Fat Cats with British Championship. Fat Cats. Like two weeks. And he rode mega at Fat Cats. Yeah. Just he ran out of fuel with the, with the two-stroke, which is tricky in them conditions because he 
literally didn't shut it off for like 30 yeah. minutes. And um, both them races, I think he was in sixth place. Yeah, which I mean, is like pretty it's, impressive. It's impressive. Yeah. But what about the rest of the weekend then? Like at Matley, I couldn't, I could not believe how lucky they got with the weather. Yeah, I mean it was superb. I mean, you know, you need the weather that that made the event. Um, the racing was like awesome. Mm -hmm. You know, the MX One, MX Two, them guys. The level is massive. And then going to Vulcans about the weekend, the level again. You know, it's like I watched the GoPro of Caroli this morning actually. Um, it was the qualifying race, and you know, you kind of. You kind of advise a rider like, say, Neville or Joel or yourself. You go like, yeah, you need to this line, this line. Like, I watched the GoPro, and one thing I realized today, and, you know, like, I've been around too many years, but Caroli's just going really fast. Like, I watched, because obviously I was there with Joel, and I would kind of walk the track with Joel and go, yeah, maybe we'll be here, maybe there, try this, do this. I watched Caroli's GoPro, and... Um, I wouldn't say he was doing any lines any very different to other people, but the actual speed he's yeah, going. Yeah, you know, and, yeah. and as riders, you know, me, me and you can still ride. You know, you're still top level. I just ride when I feel like it now. And the speed he was going, you know, I watched, I watched the races and I saw how much Geyser was putting into it to stay with yeah. Caroli. And when I watched the GoPro, Caroli's just I going that, fast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I noticed that at Matley, I was on, obviously on track filming during the qualifying race. And Caroli's just gone out the front by yep. himself. He looked a bit bored. Yeah. He was he, the corner I was filming at. He wasn't doing anything. It wasn't like going, "Holy shit, look at him do that corner." It was just <laughs> like every lap exactly the same, yep. fast. And then he, I think he must have just got bored and made a mistake at the end. Yeah. But I didn't think that he looked amazingly quick. Yeah. But obviously he was because you watch guys and you think guys is going as quick as you could possibly go on a motocross bike. Same the and weekend. Then, and then there's Caroli just. Yeah. You, you know what I think is really cool about Caroli? You know, like, say, Jeffrey, like, when Jeffrey was a little bit younger, like, he was trying to win by, like, 30, 40 seconds, you know? Mm. Where Caroli's not like that. He, no. like, understands that if the fans want to see some good racing, you know? So, like, even that race in England when Garza got past him and then he put that charge on at the end. Yep. And he's known for that, you know? Like, you always know, like, the last three or four laps, the guy's going to have a go. And also, when he's in the lead, he's not going to go stupid and try to win by 30 seconds. Yep. Like, he manages it, you know? Like, yep. you know, like, he's maybe he, like, respects... His components enough not to like you know make him look stupid or whatever. Yeah, but, but that's also probably why he's been around for so long, right? Like he's not trying to no. win by a minute every time. He knows where. So he's at his sweet spot the whole level. time. Yeah, yeah. He's not put over the limit. Yeah. To win. Well, I mean, the weekend from what I saw, like Geyser was really pushing, and uh, you Geyser, know, he had another big crash, didn't he, this weekend? But that's kind of the way he rides. I, mean, I think the level of speed he's going, you know, and when I watched that GoPro, it was kind of a, a little bit a bit strange to watch it because I thought I'd watch it because you know they kind of said the way they made it sound as if he had a moment, Caroli, in that GoPro. So I put it on, you know, and if you look at the start from Caroli from the weekend, every start looks the same. Mm. Like mm. just gets a start. He's dialed in. Checks out. You know, it's like he can nearly get the start yeah. whenever he feels like yeah. it. Hopefully for him, he does. Um, and Geyser, when I was watching on certain parts of the track, was properly on the gas trying to stay with him. And um, Caroli, you know, if I agree with Neville here. Like, Caroli kind of is thinking, right, there's no Jeffrey at the minute. Um, I can run this speed. I can win the races. I don't have to really bust myself to go over the top. You know, and, and at Matterley, for sure, he just had a little tip over, cost him. And if you watch the GoPro, he nearly got close to having Geyser back at the end of that race. Mm -hmm. He crashed from the very last corner up towards the finish. And um, I think the weekend, 
you know, it, to me, it kind of says if Herlins is there, Caroli has another level. Yeah. And he just looking for them guys, he's, he's actually not shown that level yet because it's another step. He doesn't you know? need to learn. Yeah like, yeah, like you say, he's, he's kind of, it's a bit like poker. He's like keeping his yeah, hand yeah. hidden, isn't he? He's and he knows it's a long season. Yet. You know, like the guys, I think he's awesome. You know, like his race craft, his hunger to race, like yeah. how he, like his, his humility, like everything. He's a very natural, down-to-earth guy, you know, like... I think he's a great role model Champion for kids. For the sport, yeah, 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 100%. And it's pretty cool for that Lamborghini sponsorship, isn't it? Did you see oh, that? No, I didn't <laughs> see that. Yeah, yeah he, now it was on his Instagram last week, like, he's got a new sponsor and it was Lamborghini. Oh, no way. And he just rolled up and knocked over the Lambo. <laughs> Big like, balling, dude. Big balling. Like, <laughs> 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 he's got to keep up with Hurling, definitely. Yeah, 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 that's what I said. Like, Hurling's like, he must have got bought a Lambo after winning the World Championship last year, right? Yeah. And then Corelli sponsored by one gets given one. Yeah, that's got yeah, yeah, that's yeah. got like rubbing up the wrong way, doesn't it? And I think Anderson was there as well, getting something to do with Lamborghini as well. Because if you saw the post, there was an Instagram of um, Anderson. What Jason Anderson? Jason Anderson. He was doing like a, I'm sure he was in Italy doing some type of testing a Lamborghini I was say, as well. And I was getting paid too much to do that. He makes two fifty. I'm going to get that old K500 next round. So uh, just tell us about your weekend then with Joel. Obviously, yep. young British kid, racing in the EMX, uh, 125, 15 years old, RFX KTM, your yep. mechanic. How did the weekend go for him? I, met, I, I um, opened up the qualifying results and Motor One results on Saturday, and I was fist bumping. I was like, yes, go on. Uh, pretty, pretty awesome. Like, um, uh, you know, I kind of know how Joel's going. I've been to the tracks, I watch him ride, and, um, you know, the first British Championship, you know, he won that. And uh, I went to Sherwood. I was really impressed at Sherwood because um, them conditions don't really... I haven't seen him on the conditions. We go in yeah. sand tracks, not as conditions like that. The track was gnarly. Fast. Real sketchy in yeah. place. And he did have a big crash that day. But his speed there, I was really impressed. And then um, the weekend, you know, I think Joel actually, believe it or not, actually wasn't sure he'd actually qualify. I know that might sound a bit crazy, but... Because there's a lot of English kids... Or British kids go there, and they're winning British Championship or British Youth Nationals here, and they yep. go there and they struggle to qualify. Well, there was nine, 99 riders there, yeah. so you've got 99, 40 places. So you, mm. there's 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 but a only hundred, one hundred guys. Mistake in qualifying, in yeah, because there's no LCQ race. Either, no, nothing at all. So it's 50 riders. Joel had 50 riders in his practice against qualifying, so the traffic was oh, tough yeah. as well. So. We got their bike out as early as we could, and he went out, and he, he got a good lap in, he went into second. And then I said to him, do a couple of laps, come in, and we'll, we'll see where you are. So when he come in, Joel, I, I, I was kind of, I said to him, <laughs> he come in, and he, you could tell he was like, not nervous, but you could tell he come in, stop. And I went, you need to go quicker, like I need more speed. And he was like, oh, where am I? I said, you're second. No, I'm not. He used a bit stronger language than that, but he was like, no, I'm not. I said, no, get off your bike, go look, have a break. Yeah. So he got off the bike, went and looked, and you could see he was uplifted. Like, it was kind of not a surprise to me, because I kind of expected him mm -hmm. to be up there, but I didn't know where. You know, he's either going to be wherever he's going to be. So he got back on the bike, and then I said to him, just find a clear lap, because on the lap he did, he overtook two to three people. So I said, just go get a clear lap, get the lap properly, don't bury the bike in any corners. That's one secret. I keep trying to tell him, not secret, but you, if like, you bury it, you lose power, yeah, as you know. So, so um, the very last lap, he went into pole in free practice. So I was like, fair play. So when yeah. I told him that again, yeah, I think he was a, like a little bit gobsmacked again. 
Um, language again. No, no, he was all right. I think it was a bit of a relief in qualifying, yeah. which it would be for, like, relaxing for a, the rest any, of the game. Any of them. You know, you don't want to be sat in uh, 19th place and thinking, God, I actually really need a lap. Mm-hmm. You know, Joel's got the speed to do it easily. So then um, the first race got a good gate and was just battling the whole race. Like the whole race was like a four-man battle. Uh, the leader kind of got away. Joel was in second, but he had four, four or three people right on his tail. And he was unfortunate that he kind of got caught out on the very last lap um, because he knew them guys were there and I, I couldn't really say other than just keep attacking. You know, there's no... In a race like that, when there's three guys behind you, you know, you can't say settle or... you just got to ride the best you can. You've just got to keep pushing mm-hmm. if you want that position. So um, that's basically as we did it. And then um, in the second heat on Sunday, uh, um, it's a bit hard to kind of swallow this one for me, really, but... The, he was battling again for the lead, um, had a slight overheating problem, which is down, basically down to me. It was not, you know, not the KTM's fault, not Joel's fault, down to me. So um, pretty much cost a DNF, um, and that's that was it. Um, but what I took from the weekend is is Joel was really fast, like one of the top guys. Yeah. Um, so that puts a little bit of a different emphasis on the next race. Um, we'll go there with the same attitude or I will, you know, go there, enjoy it, do the best you can, you know, and if we can get a win or we can get a second, third, fourth or wherever we get, just build for the next week. Um, so, yeah, pos- there was a lot of pos- pos- uh, not possibilities, a lot of positive stuff about the weekend for us, so, so all then good. Joel was, Joel was here last time. Yes. And he seemed like a nice lad. We had a chat. How... As a, a like a fifteen year old kid, then how does he take that? Did he take it well? I saw his posts on fa- on Facebook, and he seemed like pretty chill about it and everything. Did he? Does he take it in stride and like um, just use that for the next round? To I think he, I think he does. Like you know, I read what he put on Gate Drop, and for me, it was pretty impressive what he said. You know, he actually, you know, very nice words he said um, about me yeah. and everything. Like you know, I, I don't go there to make a mistake. We all make mistakes. I've made plenty of them. Made one on Sunday morning, um, but you know we've got to. I've got to move on from that, like he has, you know, and take the positives. You know, if 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 you went to that race and you're you're battling for twentieth to thirtieth, you'd kind of um, we'd have an awful lot of work to do. Where well, we went there the weekend, not knowing kind of where we're at with the bike, where we're at with his uh, physical condition, where we we know where we're at, and I was quite confident with with everything. But you don't know till you get there. And um, from the weekend coming away, I was quite happy. You know, like uh, everything's working good, team's working good, uh, bike's working awesome. And um, so we just got to keep replicating that and and um, move forward to the next event, really. Moving up a few classes then, let's talk about MX2 of Alpensvard. Obviously, Prado was out for Matali, comes back, wins the race. Now, do you think that's a little bit weird? How uh, can you be, like... In good enough shape to win it at Valkensvard, one of the toughest tracks on the circuit, but just a weekend before you can't line up at Matley. What I heard happen, whether it's true or not, <clears throat> this is what I heard. I heard he was bench pressing some weight or he was bench pressing something and a muscle popped out of his back and that made um, like a hematoma, hematoma on the muscle and they had to give that time to settle. 
Now that's possible that, that that's happened. Certainly in a week. And um, I would say they were probably, if he put, you know, it's no different if me or Neville or you put your back out, you need like two or three days off to recover from that. And maybe their best advice to him was to give it two to three days. Maybe they did some treatment on it, got the muscle down, yeah. the muscle settled back into place, if that's exactly what it was. And then he'd be fine for the weekend. You know, from what I saw the weekend as well, he just turned up fine. You yeah. know, I think like a guy like that, like at this stage of the year, like he's done all his riding. He's yeah, done he's like, you know, like correct. he's got a good base behind him. And also like, you've got to remember like he's in the, like an experienced team. Those guys have been around for so long. So like, Fair play to him. They, like obviously they've said, you know, like it's a long season, you dominated the like first round. But they did round. it with Jeffrey last year, didn't they? Like exactly. They took him out of one of the races and said, just heal up, come out, you can still yeah, win. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's rather do that and then be strong for the rest of the year than, you know, keep aggravating that injury and end up having the whole season yeah. having a problem, you know. So it takes a lot of balls to actually pull a rider that's leading the championship. But like, if you look at the long run, I'm sure he's going to have no problem making those points up that he lost, you yeah. know. Like, he was pretty awesome on the weekend. Um, Which is, is, is mental because you watched. Thomas Keir Olsen at Matley go, that kid, he's on it. Mm. He is talented. Like you said last time, like you think he's got the stuff. Yeah, yeah. That, and then, no, that and then for Prado to come along and just It's actually quite fun watching that class at the minute. You've got that new Jacoby kid. He's yeah, hungry. He's, he's cool. He's really impressive. And then you know who I like? I saw him a couple of years ago. I was quite impressed on the 80s at Gitz. Yeah, I got Gitz. How he yeah, passed well. that guy on the last lap when <laughs> yeah. he started that jump. You know, yeah, yeah. That, that's pretty yeah. sick. You know, yeah, like, yeah. That's Ben Watson's teammate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He crashed. Like he, he's got a lot of crashes, but the kid doesn't give up. You know, it's nice to yeah. see. Like he's always fighting through. He's got a positive. He's like chilled, positive attitude about stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's just you, like you don't often see like a send like that. You know, like yeah, he yeah. pretty much hit that single pin and managed to get the guy around the line. You know, so you know what I noticed the weekend, like just when you're on about guts, is. Um, a lot of people hate the format of MXGP, you know, the age rule and stuff like yeah. that, MX2 age rule. And, you know, I don't really want to get into that. But what I noticed the weekend doing the doing the Joel and the um, uh, Charlie at exactly. Ma- what I've noticed is, um, uh, you know, maybe you can call me if I'm wrong here, but there's lots of like young riders coming up at the moment. Yeah. You know, you look at that EMX. There's that- 99 young riders trying to qualify for the EMS. Exactly. Like, there's a lot. There's a lot. But the other thing that got me is that then you can see there's, there's, there's younger riders coming through. You know, there comes a time when you've, you've got to hang your boots up or you ride for fun or whatever. But to me at the weekend, I saw like lots of really good young talent coming up. So there's plenty of young talent for the, the 250 yeah. class. And you then, think about who's aging out of MX2 this year. You've got like Sterry. Yep. He's up. Watson must be on the... Maybe one more year. Did you see that guy that won the EMX two fifty? I think he won a moto in England. Yeah, he was, he's he, a big guy. Yeah, like, two fifty yeah, the weekend he was. He was yeah, like I watched yeah. him on the thing. He was riding with one of three hundred three number. That's I think. It. Yeah, but he looked massive on the bike. That's it. But he's he just is like, massive. Yeah, yeah he's, he's just like guy. going through stuff. And he was like with like the factory boys. Yeah, eh? like mm. it's quite cool. Like people you've never heard of that are, can run like top ten and stuff. It's and quite cool. The other thing that was interesting the weekend, like um, Liam Everts was there the weekend. Yeah. And um, it was like me and you putting Chad or Tate on the bike. Yeah. That's like what it looks little, like. Little yeah, yeah. If I put Tiny. Chad onto Joel's bike and Just take it, young kid, yeah, that's yeah. what Liam looks like getting onto the bike. But and there was at least 10, 10 to 15 kids. Or, you know, I can't say an exact number, but yeah, when I looked that, down the line, there was some kids I was like, young kids. God, looks like There was a kid from South Africa that won the... Uh, he won the 85 World Championship last, uh, I think some rounds, I don't know if he won the whole championship, but he was his first round as well. Yeah. But it's crazy, see, as you say, you know, like I saw him when he was in South Africa, like on a 60, two or three years ago. Yeah. 
and then now the guy's like, you yeah. know, he can go top 10 in a one two five. That's it, yeah, yeah. You know, like like the, like those jumps seem to become a lot quicker now, you know, like before it would take like two years to like get to the front of something. Yeah. Now it seems like it the seems kids, they so, learn so quick. It seems yeah. to be so like, like the fast rapid, forward. like, yeah, 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 absolutely rapid, like so fast track the progress through and I think the youth I, I think also what like has a lot to do with that is like, now that they've incorporated all these classes to the GPs those kids from a very like 14, 15 years old are seeing how the scene works yeah. seeing how the professional riders are watching the professional riders ride riding the same tracks as the professional riders with the same lines as them and it just seems to be bringing that group of kids yeah, coming I, from I feel Europe. like if so like the kids racing at home just racing at home they're left behind a little bit because yeah. then they go to a, an EMX 250 and if they've never done an EMX 125 before, they're like, oh crap, this is what it's like. Whereas the kids that have grown up doing like the, the EMX 6585, the 150 a few years ago, like yeah, yeah. they know what it's like to race at a GP. Whereas if you race here all your life, yeah, you win everything here and you go there, it's like, it's a holy di- shit. It's like, almost like a different a sport, mate. Yeah. It's almost like a different sport altogether. Like, and you see it, they like, you know, like not knocking any British kids or whatever, but like, Mate, there's a lot of like kids from different nationalities. You know, Joel's an exception. He's doing really well, but you know, there's like four or five French kids coming up. You yeah, know, yeah. like loads of kids. It seems maybe like the transition. You know, like sort of like how the Irish sometimes when they come across the water, they not as fast as what they are there. Maybe it's the same sort of thing with England. You know, what, when the kids. What do you, do you bring up the French thing? What do you think the French are doing at the moment to be as dominant it's as they because are the federation class. is like bringing they, they paying coaches and they bringing their kids through you know like they've got good races they've got a supercross series so the kids are technical mm-hmm. you know like um, they're just working at it you know there's, there's, there's people there that are consciously bringing kids through right. all the time because if you look at it look at the Mercos of Nations growing up it was always the states they had the deepest field of riders to pick from I don't think that's the case anymore. I think you look Dude, at France. Do you, you think France you know can pick what, anyone? I was actually watching that GP this weekend, and like just as on the couch drinking a Red Bull, and I was how fast those guys are going around a track in the state of Falkenswart, like and everyone mm-hmm. there's, there's twenty fast guys. Those top twenty in both classes are gnarly. In America, those guys don't even race races like that. Yep. You know, like and those guys are going like thirty five minutes on a track dead rough with ruts everywhere, bumps everywhere. There's racing from first to twentieth, like you're racing for your life in twentieth place. Yeah. yeah, you know, like a guy like Tommy Sill, like mind blowing how he can ride a motorbike, and the guys like that between fifteenth and twentieth. But that's coming down to, um, in kind of Tommy's defence, the weekend, like I watched the race, he made a mistake and crashed. Yeah, he crashed in one of those. And uh, he got bad starts, mm-hmm. and um, the starts are killing killing you because um, I can explain that like a little bit is. Um, in the race, Anstey was leading the race, or he was yeah. up there. And yeah, he, he was leading the race, and he crashed. And he went down. And Max was riding awesome I reckon, as well. I reckon he could have. I reckon that would have been interesting. I reckon he could have won that moto. Eh? The way he was he, riding is that in the that one race. He, he got caught under his bike, yeah. didn't he? Like, like his pants. But when yeah. he got back up, he was with Colton off. Yeah, yeah. And the speed he was going, I don't, I can't confirm his lap times. But when he got back up, it's like if you know, if 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 he starts 18th, he's kind of going to be. He's going to come to maybe twelve or whatever, yeah. but if he gets to start, mm-hmm. he can run. He can run at the front, and I think if if he started fifth, he can run fifth easily. But if you start eighteen, so much depth in that field, you're not going to come unless you're like it's an so exception rider. You won't yeah. come through. You know, like guys like Caroli, you know, even um, what's a factory Kawasaki? Uh, the cell comes through pretty good at times. But even like Paulin, like if Paulin yeah. doesn't get a jump, he can be seventh yeah. or eighth in a motor. There's only one guy who comes through them. 
There's only one guy who comes through and he comes through in the weekend, like, boom. And he properly knocks them out of the way. Van Hoobie? No. Who? Uh, Van Hoobie was oh, good Jesse in the first Conis. place. Yeah, Jesse, he he's a cool. big bloke. He dealt it? with, like, dealt with Sean. Yeah, yeah. He dealt with um, Dazelle. I think he is quality. Jesse, yeah. I love watching him ride. He properly just banging them out of the way. Like, he's a bit like... Um, a little bit old school. Yeah, Not yeah. old school, but the way he goes into him and gets him out of the way, he's yeah, coming through. Yeah. He was fast the weekend, like really he good. Looks like Joel Smith. <laughs> <laughs> he just gets on with the job. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. 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 But he looks um, on the, uh, when he rode Suzuki and he rode the other bikes, he looked really big on the yeah, bike. I think he suits this. Suits it really he's, well. He's quite a tall bike, the Husky though, isn't it? Yeah. I quite like it, the racing now. Like, you know, like, if you go back like a few years, like kind of found, or me personally, I find the MX1 class boring to watch. Like it was more oh, like yeah, yeah. I used now to watch the MX2 like, was the one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Love, now now like it's intense. The MX1. But the MX2 like, was boring the weekend. Yeah, I think the MX1 yeah, was more yeah, exciting. Yeah, yeah. I think MX, we're in like the golden age of MXGP right now. We yeah. look how many world champions are in that yeah, class. Yeah, so yeah. you got Caroli, Hurlins when he's here. You've got Febre when he's not injured. You've got Garza. You've got Jonas Tixier. Yeah. That's six that's world champions. I think, yeah, I think, is, I think yeah. that one that, that is one positive spin that's come off that twenty three rule. Is yeah. like you got like the best right. You got the thirty of the best riders in the world in that class now. You know, like. But the biggest thing is, you know, we're about the age rule and stuff. The biggest problem is there ain't enough teams to run the riders. Yeah, that's the thing. That's mm. what they need is more teams in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. just financial, isn't it? Like it's that's the pro- you know what I mean. If you had more teams, there'd be more. You know, you'd have a, probably a good lineup. You could have forty like proper good riders on there. You, it's just budgets, isn't it? You think there's meant there was meant to be 22 rounds this year, and how yep. many of those were mm. flyaway races in Hong Kong, China, yeah. Argentina? Yeah. Like big commitment, isn't it? <laughs> That's a lot of money. Eh? So let's switch gears for a minute, and let's uh, go over the over the pond to Supercross. But before that, did you see the James Stewart thing? Yeah, did, did you what, the interview thing. Is the second half of it come out? No, no. Yeah, so no, there's no, like, yeah. Have you seen it? I watched it all. Yeah, the half hour interview thing. Yes. Like, I found it really interesting, but. What the hell? I don't know what they was doing with that. Mm. It was the weirdest was video I've ever watched. Yeah, like, was, just uh, the way, from, like, a filmmaker's point of view, it was just yeah. strange. Just like, straight to answers. There was no questions. Yeah, just it was. Like, and then, like... There was no answers you wanted. Yeah. Some, of, some of the cuts they did and, like, the kids crying, it was just strange, I thought. Fair play but, to me. He was quite honest on it. That was quite yeah. cool. Like, you know, like, I guess he's another guy that's finished now and he can kind of say exactly how things were yeah. with the teams he rode for and stuff like that. So that part of it was cool. Um... It's always cool to see honest interviews, yeah. I think, you know. Like. I always thought James Stewart was, whenever you'd see him interviewed in, at the end of a Supercross race, or I remember when a few years ago they used to interview them straight after a heat race, like they'd get off their bike, take their helmet off and just give them a microphone. Yeah. And every time James Stewart did that, it was ace. Like, yeah, he yeah. is so good for like the PR and everything. Yeah. And just to see him like sit down and being honest, I thought yeah, it was really yeah. cool. It was, but cool, but also interesting to see his kind of take on how it all was. You yeah, know? yeah, like... We like we all have this view on things like the Bubba Scrub and like the battles yeah. with Reed and stuff like and how awesome that time was and for him to talk about it and like say, oh yeah, I can't really remember doing yeah, the yeah, Bubba yeah, Scrub yeah. and like hated racing that year against yeah. Reed and like the perfect season that was a terrible year and you're like, but it's it true. Never you know, heard like, that you, you know like there's something as a fan looking in, you think everything's golden all the time and dude, it's even not, people that are, are you don't going through struggles, you know, like yeah. there's lots that goes on. You think. When you're that good, how many people you've actually got in your team? You know, there's a lot of personnel and like, well, you just have to like conflict with one or two people and then it's horrible, you know, like you're literally you're just saying. like looking at your watch waiting for the season to That's end. That's what we're saying about <laughs> like, like, no matter how yeah. good or bad you're doing, isn't yeah. it? You're just the like year, every weekend. Yeah. Oh, really? The year he went 24-0 in the interview, he, he was saying that like, we was just waiting for it to end. Like, mm. my contract was up, I knew I was leaving, 
luckily there were some professional people in the it, team it was that, quite funny when he said uh, I think it was they said it was a 450 <laughs> I don't even know yeah, yeah. it was but it was terrible yeah he was bashing yeah. that bike running yeah I just thought it was like it was really interesting I watched the whole thing I was yeah, sat in yeah. there and I just watched the whole thing like straight half an hour but then it was just like a weird yeah, weirdly put together like, I was like after the teaser I'm expecting like some like yeah, Netflix yeah. documentary type thing I just thought it was strange I was expecting like you know like I get to the end of like watching the Townie thing and the Langston thing and the Ryan Hughes thing and you're like yeah that was sick, you know. Like I'd, I'd, mm-hmm. I'd spent another four hours watching that. When I got to the end of Stuart's thing, I was like, "It's just know. a bit peculiar." Mm-hmm. But yeah, like, yeah. just because it was him, and he, you just want to know what he was going to say. You watch the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. I think it's kind of strange. He, he never, you know, he's actually never physically come out and gone, "I'm done." I'm well, tired. that's what yeah, this yeah. was essentially, wasn't it? He did say a few times, "Now I'm done racing. Now I'm done." But he never, like the when Dungey retired, when Villapoto retired, it was a whole big event, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Stuart never got that, which is a bit sad, I think. But is he was he done, Stuart, because he? Couldn't get the sponsors back and get the right deal he wanted, or no, was I it think a? He knew his, I think like as an athlete, he kind of because in the interview he was on about that last season, he just didn't enjoy riding because he knew he couldn't win. Yeah. So, but he didn't put himself in a position no. to win. I'm not knocking the kid, but you know what I mean. Like, if you know, it's difficult to know if if he got the level of support back again to give him that opportunity, he might not have. You know, and it, it the body clock suddenly catches up with you mm. um, again you know it comes to that FIM thing again you know, with poor old Brock Tickle still hasn't got an answer I mean that that's, that's like must be a year now that's not normal it's more like that's just crazy yeah, that's just like getting a speeding really, fine yeah. and then keeping it for two years yeah, and going just, oh, not, yeah. we don't know how much we're going to charge you yet but. Yeah. You, you know, I mean it's crazy and I think with Stuart you know he's unfortunate that that took two years out of yeah. him, basically. Do you know what I mean? And yeah. that that kind of wrecked his career. Yeah, it did actually do. Yeah. It, it is a sad full stop, isn't it? Really, to you. It is. Like, well, he's he just had. like you know, he's completely gone from it. Eh? Like you, like um, Carl Michael's still involved, and like guys yeah. like Tedesco still testing and stuff. He's still yeah, a little bit, but I don't know how involved he is. But obviously, like the seven brand is yeah. still quite a big thing. But I don't know how involved Stuart is in that. Yeah. But like you say, your Carmichael's at every race. It's quite, I don't know, like in a way it's quite cool. He's like, he's an all-in or out type of guy, you know. Mm. He, yeah. Like when he was racing, he's all-in and now he's Just out. And, but golf. he still watches every single race on TV, he yeah. said, you know, which is, so obviously he still loves the sport. He's just, you know, he's had so many years of that being, having to be politically correct and yeah. sponsors this and, now he's got his time to just, just chill. Chill the kids. Eh? Yeah, it's quite cool. And he'd probably be tired if he come to one event. Imagine how many people would yeah. ask him the same question. It wouldn't yeah. even be fun. He wouldn't, wouldn't come there to say that. You know what I mean? He just it would be, be over horrendous it. to like actually just, yeah. I bet yeah. he'd much rather just sit with a cold one watching on the TV than have the stress <laughs> of like, imagine it like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. like, like as cool as what it would be to be as good as that guy, like to have that extra stuff that comes with it, man, I don't know. But what, one of the interesting things I thought he said, talking about when he watches every race and he's talking about how he thinks uh, Tomac should be winning every race. Mm. I, I kind of agree. Yeah. You watch Tomac, you think, that guy's the fastest guy yeah. over there at the moment, but he's not winning. Do you think he is? I think, like, he's you said this last time, he's Tomac, like, Tomac, he I is. think he can twist it. Like, he's got the potential to do the most damage I maybe sound a bit critical saying that, but he ain't winning the race at yeah, the minute. Yeah, exactly. You know, and... But, why? But I think, like, it is going to sound like an arsehole for saying it, but I don't think, like, he's got as much natural talent as some of the other guys he's racing. I think he's the fastest, like, no yeah. doubt he's the fastest, but I think sometimes, like, the natural technique, talent, like, hit, like, I you think know, mental the head, game. mental game, a lot with him. But, dude, the guy's, yeah, he's unreal, you know, you yeah, can't really take, but he's, um, 
but there's yeah, a lot of weird. people you know, gone like stuff from like on the weekend when we're past him on the yeah no, like uh, Musk the, and past him yeah, the like that's just that must be just a mental mistake but and for I, sure I swear he does like, it like, a lot. like I would say something's going on there because that Mark Williamson left Kawasaki there's a few people gone the engine guy yeah he was some donkeys as well wasn't he something's not 100% there I think yeah that's and obviously like as much as you think it doesn't sometimes that does relay back in into your race you know like when there's a happy environment everything's sweet sometimes when there's like i said earlier there's one of like everything can be sweet and there's one or two people that you're not clicking with and it just eats it yeah changes the vibe you know so another way because we had a we had a conversation in the race truck at the weekend and we we talked about tomac a whole lot and we all put our pennies worth in you know and i i, I looked at something uh, maybe it's a point or it isn't a point you'll tell me if i'm shoot me down if i'm not but let me get my gun ready like, uh, yeah, good. <laughs> you know, South Africa. Watch you know, out. as a racer, you know, like, um, say you go racing and you get beaten badly mm. by, let's say, Hurlings yeah. and Coldenoff, their destinations. Yeah. You have a really bad event. Do you not think that would affect someone like Tomac and people like that, where if their confidence is like, like kind of knocks them a little bit, do you think, or not? Yeah, for you, sure. If, like, you, for sure. If you guys, you know, 100% that race opened their eyes up. You think but maybe they that never level... recover from that. Do, do you know what I mean? I don't. That's yeah, the no. second but time that's think, happened yeah. now. There's always been that argument, though. Like it happens every time after the after Nations the last few years when the states haven't got on the podium and the riders look all bummed. Then like next weekend they're super cross tested and it's all forgotten about. Mm. That's what the kind of perception is from this side. It's like they just forget about that straight away. But maybe you're right. Maybe I don't think getting ever beasted, about the, it. the red bud eats at you a little bit and. Knocks the confidence and like uh, like saying he's the fastest guy, dude. You go back when he was racing Dungey, like yeah. he missed like he DNF like a couple of races and only lost that by a couple of points for sure. He's raced against some fast guys, but it's you know like a guy like Dungey, you could count on him the whole way through. Yeah, a guy yeah. like Musquin, pretty much the whole way through. Even Roxon, whole way through. You always know, or you don't like you not don't know, but you kind of like have the feeling with, at any time he could DNF a motor. Yeah, we've talked about you. It's almost like he's either going to win it like convincingly or he's going to make some mistake yeah. and finish bottom of the top 10 yeah their championship but both classes are actually looking quite cool yeah. now after the misfortune that um, Cincerello had yeah, yeah. Did, see that did you weekend, see that yeah. picture of him like charging down the bikes like yeah with, with the one when he's trying he, to push the he pushed away. the bike out of the way and then why did he went, do that because like, he was going to land on the back side so, of him dude, I, think. I think if he kept his hands on because when he pushed yeah. the bike went sideways yeah. and he actually didn't clip the guy did he no, uh, no, he didn't. But he maybe thought he was going to go because yeah, yeah. I saw him take his hand off. And the reason he crashed was because his bike was all. Yeah, yeah. he put something on. Fa on um, I think it was Facebook or Twitter or something. Earlier. His GoPro and his explanation. Yeah, yeah. I didn't wa haven't watched it yet. But um, so what's your view in the in the four fifty class then? The obviously Webb and Musquin again banging bars, going off the track. As from a like a team manage manager's point of view, what what do you do in that situation? I, I, my honest opinion is, you know, it's racing's racing. That that's it. End of story. You know, like, you know, they'll probably, you know, at the end of the day, they're both winning, going for a championship. But, you know, at the end of the day, if if it was me or Neville or you going for that championship, then it come down to, it. yeah. See, like, sorry, no. Yeah, you, you, you did it at the MCA on the weekend for fifth. Yeah, you, you go, you're going off the track, <laughs> aren't you? No, the sixth. It wasn't even oh, the sixth. We won't talk about that. The old boy will be after yeah. him. Sixth. No, you were sweet after the race. You <laughs> half half me and everything. I was waiting. I was waiting for it, but he half half me. But so. you did have pump up there. You told me, dude. I don't even know how I opened up the throttle to nail him. Yeah, <laughs> I literally went like that, 
wheel it and he was just there lucky he was there he stopped me because i didn't know <laughs> before i hit the dirt but on my story uh, not my story on that question you asked i think before the fire before the season's out there's going to be fireworks oh well, i'm for sure musquin needs to get on it like you know, yeah, if he wants to win it, yeah. like, like fair he, play, like like last he had that thing last year with Tomac, Tomac didn't he? Didn't see like he handled it great. No, neither. Yeah, of yeah. but like in the past years, he never ever did stuff like that. So yeah. it's actually cool to see him have some balls and nail. But I think no, Webb will get him first. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, like he won't even I think worry about that, it. Like in that mental game between those two, like I would, I, I would go with Webb. Do you know um, Sean Lawless did not kill on you a few years years ago, and he called you a honey badger. Yeah, I feel like Cooper Webb's yeah, a honey badger. He's a honey badger. Yeah, yeah. Like Explain that to me, honey badger. It's, it's like it's a fierce pound, animal. Yeah, pound it? for pound is the most fierce animal in the world from Africa. Honey badger. It's only about that big, but pound for pound. Is yeah, I wouldn't want to go in the corner with you. Yeah, I have <laughs> yeah pound for pound. Is, um, <laughs> but dude, like as you say, like going for a championship, and like as we've always said, the first guy you got to beat is your teammate. You know, yeah. like you go back to the, you go back to the, awning or whatever, dude. Like the guy's like, yeah, he beat you. That pisses you off, you know, for sure. That's the way to go. But, you know, like like when I was younger, I had a bit of stress at the teammate once and I ended up making one of the worst decisions of my career. What, changing team? Le- left the team, literally straight last round, going for second in the British Championship. My teammate took me out. Jake Nichols beat me by one point and I left the next day. I did the destinations the next week and left the next day and it was the worst move, like one of the worst moves I've ever made in my career. But I think that's where I've got to, because I was chatting to some people the weekend, that's one thing I realised because when... Um, Cass, we had four riders one time in the team, and we had Dadaika, we had Coppins, and you know Dadaika, like great guy. He 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 always wanted to beat the teammate first. And my argument was, it it's not the teammate you need beat to worry about. Beat everybody. Mm. If you beat everybody else, yeah, you're beating your teammate. You just got to hope you have a good teammate that's good. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> we'll but that's why a lot of people put their emphasis on your teammate, and you know your emphasis is on winning. That's that's where not yeah, your teammate. Yeah, yeah. And um, a lot of teams, I think. Get into that, and you know, I beat my teammate, and I finished fifth. Yeah, fifth ain't yeah, good enough. Yeah, no, no. yeah, you know. You need to but it is when you when you get beaten by it, like a. I don't know. If like I've ever, I don't think I've ever had like where I've been. I've normally been like most of the teams I rode for was just me with the DB Honda setup. You've beaten the team, yeah, mate. yeah. <laughs> yeah, most of the time, but like practicing and stuff. As I said in the, in the podcast before, yeah. like when you had a fast teammate to practice with, it's just it's, it's good just, for you. Yeah, yeah you just got to get on with beat it. everyone, but. Mm. First of you want <laughs> and that's what I noticed. Um, you know about that last one thing. I noticed one thing we didn't cover before was um, when I was over last week. I haven't been to Holland for a few years practicing. I've been with Bobby last year a few times, but it wasn't as busy as it was this week for Valkenswald. And um, KTM Husqvarna, they get all the riders they want. You know, they're, they're the main riders they have. Um, they hire the track. They get them all going together. Caroli was there. Uh, Prada wasn't there, but like, um, who's the other KTM guy? V- Viale, Anstey, yep. um, Koldenoff, the two Rockstar guys, they're all there practicing yeah. together. So the speed they were creating when they were practicing was like a race. pretty Intense. impressive. How impressive is that, like, when you go to Lommel and you see the GP guys doing 40 minute motors? That's it, yeah. It, dude, like, it is, um, it's an experience. Mm. Like, like, I've been there coaching a few times and literally just been like, right, take 10 minutes. I just like You're watching. And they show up in their cars, the team's already there, they jump yep. on their bikes, dude, and they just got a mechanic and it's like 40 minutes. And you can see they're pacing each other around the yeah. track and there's like 10, 10 of the top 20 GP riders a day, you know, and that's, that's why. In Europe, 
they've evolved. You know, like you're racing weekends, you're doing like a quali- like quali- two races a lot, a racing lot, and then the week, dude, those guys are almost like <coughs> having another two days of racing during the week. So the whole time, the level's just coming up and up and up. The tracks are breaking up. You know, it is... And know. the work they do, that that was on uh, Thursday. The work they do on a Thursday before a Grand Prix. It's impressive, eh? Like those, yeah, you and, know, like those boys, you know, they earn their money. Like, you think, like, going to Lommel and... and, and the, well, they're all doing it, eh? Like, yeah, yeah. All, they do their sprints, they do their motos. It's such a cool thing to see, like, athletes that are putting that much time into their jobs, you yeah. know? Yeah, and the weekend's probably easy for them. Like yeah, I've been that's what you said before, last they, time, they yeah. put that much hard work in in the week. The weekend's probably Day not a stroll in the park, yeah, but, but their riding's less, and they're probably like, oh, yeah, I can do I can do them two 30-minute motors, a piece of cake. You know what I mean? that's another thing, like, going back to the whole, you know, European riders on that level, like, like, I don't want to knock anything. It's hard, you know, like, but we've been honest and speaking, like, you go practicing in England, you go to a practice track, and there's a 20-minute session. Yeah. So you've lost two or three minutes getting on the track, so you're probably going to have a 50-minute session, and then you're going to wait 45 minutes till your next session. So those guys are doing 45 minutes at a time, yep. and you're going to get like 13, 14 minutes out of the session. So it's hard to, you know, even for the kids in the 85s and stuff, you know, like they're not actually getting their, their full 20, 30-minute motors in to build their base to progress to that level. But the other thing is what I noticed at Veldo when the track was savage. Like, you know, you know, you can go to, say, Mildenhall, for example, and the track's groomed nice. And, you know, you get people here, they'll go to, say, I've been VIP today, mega track. And um, the track's got nice wood chip, lines come in, come in really good. And I've been, yeah, been a few tracks recently. But that that track last week at Veldhoven, I can nearly think that half the people in the pits today would have got to Veldhoven and gone, oh, I'm no, going yeah, over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Where then everyone from amateurs on, you know, 89, there was a couple of 89 Hondas there last week, like all the bikes going around that track, rough as hell. Yeah. And that's another difference is, you know, like they... That's what motocross for them is, though. Those, exactly. Yeah, yeah. That, that, that is motocross for them. Like th- those guys will go to those smooth tracks and they won't find any enjoyment out of that. Yeah. It's just oh. a different scene, isn't it? Yeah, right? and you know, and you can see then why the young kids like kind of have a, in Europe especially, they, they're coming on strong because if you can do 20 minutes around Veldhoven, you know, it, it's pretty yeah. pretty impressive because when the pro guys had finished in the morning, they'd hired the track and then one o'clock the track opened. Yeah. You know, I kind of looked at the track for <laughs> Forget that. Good, good, good <laughs> yeah. luck today, do you know what I mean? Enjoy you know, that. and like, um, um, Br- Brilakov was there. Yeah. And, um, like, Russian he, guy. Yeah, just a massive crash over the bars, cartwheel down the track, one bump just spat him off. Yeah. And because the bump was such hard before a jump, it was a massive crash. He jumped up, and I was like, Phew, it's mm. best we don't push too yeah. much around here today. Yeah, yeah, do, yeah. do you know what I mean? Because yeah. it was catching like some yeah. really cool rides. Instagram, you put a photo on it, it was, yeah. It's it's not, savage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Savage. And we stayed there for the next day. Yeah. You know, and then the next day we got there, cold enough was there again, hired the track. Tommy was there riding in the morning. Um, and but then you go back to the destinations, dude. Yeah, you do motors on tracks like that during the week. Yeah. Well, I noticed that I stayed in California before, and you go to their tracks in SoCal, and they're like prime it's every like time you go there. there. You're lucky to win the bridge when you yeah. come back. And you go there, and it, say it rained, like we had a wet week and it rained. You go to the track, and it'd be empty. None of the local, yeah. like local guys. Obviously, you got the pros out there doing the motors, but the local guys are like. If it's raining, if the track's yeah, not prime, yeah. we're not there. <laughs> That's the so, same in South Africa. Like, you go practicing in South Africa and, like, you'll have, like, four or five guys in the same times. 
like you literally you did you could ride until your tank runs dry yeah. you know and you feel awesome and you're scrubbing everything and you're hitting all the ruts with that didn't happen for me today no <laughs> <laughs> the truck was flat you know and then that's just the difference you know and then yeah. you get guys that are doing motors on tracks like that it's just you know like you're constantly learning when you ride in tracks like that you're getting fitter you're getting your bike set up good like everything just seems to well, but you know, it's, it's also, you know, like to start off, that's not going to be fun, is it? Like, no, no that wouldn't be fun if I went out now, that would not be fun. But you do, but you, you do that for nine months and then, and then it is fun for yeah. you, dude. And then, you know, but your whole body gets yeah, stronger, yeah. your whole, everything you, gets You learn stronger. how to ride the bumps, you learn how to choose the lines, it, you know, just ability as a rider, I think. Brillikoff didn't get it. <laughs> <laughs> right, so on that note, mind back to Russia <laughs> through the sand. <laughs> <laughs> well, on that note, let's take a break. We'll talk about our sponsors here, BMOSO. So I've told them that, but I've not told you. Yeah, no, no. So BMOSO is, they're an insurance company. Yep. So when I go like out testing and stuff for dirt bike rider, yep. go out to Europe or America or stuff riding bikes, I need like insurance yep. for, for riding dirt bikes out in different countries. And okay. it's a lot harder than you think it would be. It is, yeah. So um, stumbled across this company, BMOSO. It turns out they're local to here. Yep. So just around the corner from us. Got talking to them. They got they got the, like the perfect policy for for me to do what I was doing. Yep. And talking to them and their specialist bike insurance. So yep. mainly like road bikes, but they do a lot of dirt bike cover as well. So we're taking a little break here. Nev and Neil, they've gone for a pee break. So we've got five minutes. I just want to say a massive thank you to our sponsors for this week's show, BMoto. BMoto, they're an insurance company. They're local to us, so it's great for us here at Too Fast. And um, they do repatriation insurance if you're out riding your bike in Europe or further afield. They do that. They do insurance for bike theft, they do insurance for race van cover, for uh, injuries, so personal protection insurance, they do they do a lot and they're a great company, they understand what uh, we bike riders need, they're bike riders themselves, so they're a great company to work with and I really appreciate BMOTO coming on board. I personally got in contact with BMOTO because I was struggling to find repatriation insurance last year and they sorted me out, I realised they're a cool company, great guys to work with, I don't, yeah. If you've got any insurance needs or anything like that, check out BMOTO at um, www.bmoto.uk or you can give them a call on 01733 907 000. Once again, that's BMOTO. Great guys. Thanks again for coming on board with the show and uh, check them out. All the details you'll find in the links down below. I wouldn't want a sponsor on board that I don't think is no, cool, no. if you know what I mean, yeah. and wouldn't. Well, if you try and get bike insurance, it's like nigh on yeah, impossible. It's harder, yeah. Like it's good for me to know that that name as well because, um, like for instance, you know, you try and look into it. It's like it's a tricky world to yeah, get yeah. that. There's always you it's know always something that exactly. Match up and if someone yeah, understands yeah. it, they know exactly yeah. what you're calling about, and it can make your life easier as well. Support the people that support the sport. Exactly. So let's jump into our main topic for <laughs> this afternoon. Then the title of the episode. I think I think we're gonna have some good picks here, especially you, Neil. So our topic this week is Neil who, could be one of them. You could, Neil, be, you yeah, could, be, you could be one of them. You, you, <laughs> watched, my, you watched my Hawkstone video, didn't you? Yeah. Beating Smiths. So, <laughs> I, I had to let him buy that. Yeah. They never told me let him buy. No, they didn't. So our, our topic <laughs> is <laughs> who is the best rider never to win a world championship, and we'll we'll take that across the pond as well. Who's the best rider never to win like a two fifty title? We'll exclude like East Coast West Coast stuff. Yeah. But all like main class title in America. That's now like there's a, a lot of that's choices. a really big that's like quite a so a lot of guys for that me come close, eh? growing up. I'll let you think about this. But for me growing up, it was always the Everett show, right? And then I think it was 
2007. I spoke to Stefan last week. Did you? Is yeah. he coming on? Uh, <laughs> I didn't ask him that, but he's getting better. Is he getting That's better? the main thing, yeah. He's been through hell, but yeah. he's getting better. Was he there with um, Liam? <clears throat> Liam, yeah. He was there? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so me growing up, it's always a Stefan Evitt show, right? And then he retired in 06. I think he did, or 07? I think it was 06. 07, 07 he raced. And then in 2007, Josh Coppins came along. And it was uh, Josh was... Coppins' year to win the World Championship. Sure, that was in 06 or 07? No, it, it was 07. He left us that year, he was on Yamaha. Yeah. So. And then Coppins came in. Yeah. Coppins should have won that world title, right? So you obviously know Josh. He, he's my pick. He, uh, he I've, got to go, I've got to go with it because... Um, one thing I learned from Josh, like fantastic guy, fantastic person, um, and his work ethic. He was one guy who fetched it home to me that, you know, if you start a season off and you get a rider, rider comes in, uh, Neville isn't one of these riders, but you get a rider comes in and you go, okay, I'm going to do 20 minutes. Josh was the person who come in and had that fitness to just go, Boom, 30 minutes straight. His first time on a bike in, let's say, two months. And his professionalism of that fitness, I'm giving you a compliment there because you're a fit person. That's how, so don't <laughs> think I'm, I'm not saying you didn't. Dude, you obviously weren't at the weekend. So I gave you <laughs> on the weekend. Oh, yeah, pump up, dude. Um, but no, um, he, he was really professional guy. And, you know, that year he rode the Yamaha and he had a 100-point lead. That was one of the cruelest things Ever to ever to happen probably mm-hmm. in motocross, you know, because that that guy to me is is a world champion. Yeah. The way he rode, the the races he did, like he did one race for us, which was really really special. It was in uh, Desert Desert Martin. He beat Stefan that yeah. day, yeah. fair and square. That was when but, Stefan was going for like a perfect season, right? Yeah, that mm. that 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 year, um, uh, Stefan, you know, them type of conditions, perfect for him. Like you know, he can't really be beating them. Mm-hmm. Josh come back, haunted him, did him won the meeting, you know, and I remember Fabio, the mechanic that day for Josh, and obviously, you know, we were just like, mega, like, fantastic day, um, so yeah, for me, there's, it's quite simple, it, for me, it's him, like, he, he, he deserved it, he didn't get it, which is really, really cruel, um, but to me, he, yeah, I, I, I'd class him in that, that category. Yeah. category. But if you can beat Stefan Everts, you, yeah, you're, but he was you're, also, class, you're in that sort of, he was also right, yeah. really strong, you know, and that year it went wrong for him, you know. If, you know, th- I think that happened with Ramon twice. I think he yeah. got a world championship like yeah. that. Yeah, that yeah. was from that yeah. season he won the championship. Actually, and I've got to say, Steve Ramon, fantastic rider, you know, but I, I don't class him as Josh Coppins. No, do you yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. And um, yeah, it's just the way. I remember the that day is. at Desert Martin. I remember you were probably riding there. I was, yeah, yeah, and I remember. Josh left me and Stefan left me and there's still 14 minutes to go. And I was in about 14th, 15th. Yeah. And I was like, what? Like, honestly, like, it's still 14 minutes to go and we're getting lapped. And dude, they're the only two guys that left us that day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They must have been, like, over a minute ahead of third place. Like, it was a special... Obviously, like, Josh race, had, like, yeah. a special race and Stefan obviously yeah. wanted to keep his yeah. thing and those yeah, yeah. two guys were just on fire, man. Well, I walked to the... I walked to congratulate Josh at the end of the race like, like I would that, you know, every GP. And then um, I walked in the awning... And Stefan, fair play, looked properly. Yeah. One time I saw, I thought, oh, Josh is properly, he's put everything yeah. into that, and he had no answer to Josh that day. And also, like, Josh had come back from an injury halfway yep. through that year. That's yep. impressive to be able to, to yep. you know, get your level that high. 
yep. after the injury. But he did a lot of work. That that's what I mean. Like when he when he turned up every after every winter, like he you know you could go to the track and he'd just go right okay yeah, set the go. clock twenty minutes boom yeah, yeah. straight away you know not not two three laps he'd be there twenty minutes come in and then when he sat down he'd have a proper you know I need this I need this I need this I need this all constructive stuff mm -hmm. and he's probably one of the most professional riders I I ever worked with like he showed me another level the team needed to be at. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I saw Josh ride well, probably about two and a half years ago now at the Vets World Championship at Glen Helen. Yeah. He still fucking, he still trucks. Yeah, he yeah, still yeah, goes. Yeah, yeah, he still goes, yeah. What about, what about you? I would say I'm going to go with Robbie Herring on this one just because like when Greg was racing East Africa, like Robbie was one of the guys that could beat him, you know, like, like they race together, they beat each other, like they could swap wins, you know. And for Greg to go on and win three world championships, you know, and yep. Robbie get close and you know, like like obviously I wasn't around that era, but like the Motivision boys and stuff, like they always said like Robbie was one of the most talented riders. Yeah, you, like you he said, was, yeah. I raced against him, yeah. And he got I think he got second a couple of times, didn't he? Uh don't I'm pretty sure he will have done. He I mean he won I'm sure he won in eight or eighty seven. 87, 88, he won the USGP race. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or he, was, he cleared he off from Ricky Johnson thumb. or something. Like he, he, he jumped that jump and did his thumb, didn't he? He, did tore, he? he tore that thing between his thumb and that race. He right, was gone. Okay. He was like 30 seconds gone. Yeah. But saying that, so I'd say, you know, with the talent he has and stuff, him, but going back to what you said about Josh, like, like I was obviously, like, Coop's helped me a lot in my career yeah. and I spent some time with him. Paul Cooper. And Paul Cooper. And man, like, you know, like you say, like some people, oh, I'm going to go all in on something. And you, they think they're all in. Like this was like another level, Coops. Yeah. Like food, weighing food, motos, testing. Like, you know, like that guy put everything in to win ten yeah, yeah. championships. Yeah. I ran him for one year. I agree. With, and like, it he is was... absolutely like like you know like there's there's not a single shortcut in what that guy did in his program. Like everything was like 110 percent, which maybe cost him in the end a little bit. Like going a little bit too mad, but yeah. like. Dude, like, when you say all in, it's like, you know, like six, seven hour cycles, motors every day, testing every day, dietitian, sleep, mental people, massages, trainer, like, like all, all in. Like, I remember when I was a little, little kid, maybe like only just started riding, we was at Mildenhall, I was riding, wobbling around Mildenhall, and then Paul Cooper came flying by, and I was absolutely amazed, I was like, yeah. this is the coolest thing ever, yeah, Paul Cooper's on the same track as me. He was, he's, he's, I must he's like a, six or he seven. sick, you know, like... It's actually like, you know, it's a like a little bit sad, like if you look at the end of it, like, you know, like he put a lot in and you know, he lot, like he obviously has some good rides, thirds, fourths and stuff, but like, dude, like literally, you know, like, like I'd never put, you know, I put a lot into my racing, but yeah, like not to that level, dude, like that was something else, you know, like I really, you know, it was cool for him because like straight away when I came to England, like he gave me a program and we're doing like, you know, like I started off on like between 15 and 20 hour weeks with him. You know, which I thought was a lot, but then you know, like when I came back to England and we trained together, like he was like a tricep, you know. But like I, I, I haven't seen Coops for years, but like I, I agree with you. But I'm just thinking what you've said there and like trying to piece it together a little bit because obviously I run Coops. I think it was O two. Yeah. He won the British Championship for us. He did the World Championship. Yeah. Steve Payne was his mechanic for us on the team, and I'm just thinking there what you've just said. I was thinking, God, like. Coops, you're right, was like super fit, always did the motos, always did the riding. So then as you're speaking, I'm thinking, so what I've said about um, Josh and what I've said about what I'm thinking about Coops, and yeah. 
I can kind of see quite a lot of difference between yeah. them two people. Yeah, yeah. And the difference is, Josh was very, um, it's hard to say it, Coops was always training, always doing the food, always that way. Josh was um, kind of his, mi his mind, he was a very different person to him. I think he believed in himself a little bit more. Kind of, a, not, um, I wouldn't say, uh, like I don't want to sound like I'm being wrong, it's like kind of arrogant, yeah, like yeah. more, uh, more so, not arrogant, like he... Believed a bit more. Yeah, so do you think Coops kind of, yeah, believed I would say. that much? So he was trying to make up for that in I, I training think and last and little part. But know, Coops yeah. might have done two... Coops, too much, if I, I remember... You know, Coops would like if, you know, he did kind of maybe be thinking, this is probably right where Josh should go, okay, I'm going to take Thursday, Friday off, I'll be ready for the weekend. Yeah, yeah. And then if he had a okay ride Wednesday, it was okay, I'm, I'm still ready, ready for the for weekend. The GP, yeah. Where Coops would have been, I need to ride Thursday to have a good feeling. Stressing about, yeah, just overdoing a bit. And that would, I would say, was a little bit of a difference between those two. But then again, it's trusting yourself, isn't it? Like Josh exactly. trusted himself, where Coops is like, maybe I need to do a little bit more, yeah. maybe. Yeah. It's hard to do that. Never to rest. Like, yeah, yeah, like kind of. I was the same. Like person, I spent yeah. a lot of time like overtraining and stuff as well, just because you want to do that well that you're willing to do. But sometimes you get put back by it, you know. And also, Coops, um, you know, he he come from nothing to where he come from. Like I remember doing a French international, and I'm pretty sure he was living in the back of his transit from race to race. And I'm pretty sure there was. I could be wrong. I'm sure like he was. Yeah, he he had nothing yeah. when he come across. So Coops, fair play to him, built his whole life up with racing, and he was he was pretty good as soon as he got it because he started off with Husqvarna, I, I think, and then went to Yamaha. Then it started to click with the Denicol. I think it was the pro racing guys maybe oh, helped okay. him yeah, yeah. to do with Robbie. Yeah. Then it started coming 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 better. But yeah, you imagine Coops like he started off with a can and then built his whole his whole racing up to where he got to. So. Yeah, yeah you, so I think it's cool. You kind of forget career. that a bit in them like, days, really. I kind of think that's cool about a career. Like, you can have somebody do well, you know, like their parents got the, the campers, they got the best trainer, they got tracks in their garden, they can have 10 bucks if they want, they just yep. swap a diesel card. Fair play, you've done well. But you take a guy that's come from like nothing and done well. Yep. Like, hustle, like, from, you know, like, it's kind of like hot, like, it's like a, to put it into perspective, like, it's kind of like a different scale, then, isn't it? Yeah, like, it is. Like, yeah, you, yeah. You come from like having like, You've had to work to like just pay to go practicing, and then yeah. you've made it like compared to like someone that started like you with look, every single with everything thing. you yeah, need. Yeah. It's you a big a, difference. That's why people love Conor McGregor, right? Conor McGregor came from nothing. I was watching an interview with him the other day, and he was on like Jimmy Fallon or something. He's like, "Yeah, six years ago I was a plumber yeah, on a yeah. building site in Ireland. Now he's like set for life. His yeah, family yeah, set yeah, for yeah. life, and now." People like that, don't they? Because yeah, yeah, yeah. people people he's literally to, fought yeah. his way to I think I, I think the, the average person isn't well off, you know. The average person is just, just making ends meet, you know. Like So like when somebody that's the same as what you are makes it like that, it's like, yeah, you know, like that's yeah, possible, possible. Then, you know. Yeah, it's cool. And you kind of forget that when you talk about riders. You know, you look at like Coops, for example, to Josh Coppins, like the, you know, wh wh where Coops come from to what he's, to how he got up to up to a certain level it's like quite it's quite a big job yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. It's like, no it's not a big job it's a massive it's job. like it's like you taking whatever you can riding whatever bikes you can whether they're good or bad just because they're free yeah you've got to work your way that way you're not going like he has 40 grand get, get me on a factory team yeah yeah you know what it's I mean? like yeah, what yeah, 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 the Stuart thing it's like we only really think about or remember like the end the 
the end goal, the big picture, is we don't see all the stepping stones to get mm. to that place. Yeah, like with the fox thing, buying him his house, always buying him yeah. the thing, like living in his... It's like you, you think, oh yeah, guys are millions, you can buy but his all, property. Like I think a lot of the good people have got like a struggle, and I think it is a struggle that, you know, it's, it's that hurt and that pain that fuels it, you know? Yeah. I thought, like I personally think that, you know, like you look at a lot of top athletes and stuff around the world, they've all, like, there's all been struggled through, mm -hmm. whether it's losing their parents, having no money, you know, like everyone's got a struggle. And I think, you know, the people that actually see it through that and like gain strength from that is the other people that actually achieve it, eh? 100%. So going back to the, the main topic then, I think it would be a miss to not mention Kurt Nickel as a rider that obviously one of the most talented guys in his day never never managed to get the title wrapped up. And I know Kurt a little bit. We've done some stuff with the magazine with him and to this day, the guy loves riding. He's like you. Mm, he rides a lot, like, yeah. Just never stops riding like, He's full on addicted he's to riding. Prince is doing Farley this year, so he's, he's going to ride. I have to say, like, I, I, I've not really been a fan of Kurt. I don't really know him, but when I was racing, when I started coming up, you know, you had Kurt, you had 4P, people yeah. like that there. You know, and Kurt was one, you, no one really knew it. Like, he was hard to, you yeah. know, you, oh, you, I, you, I, you're I kind of lucky, and you kind of, like, go, oh, I'll stay out of his way a little bit, because he doesn't really say much. And I speak to him now a little bit, do you know what I mean? Like, but, you know, he's... But I mean, last year at Farley, like I'm pretty sure, I said to him or his brother, like I was gobsmacked. Like you know, fair play to him. He, does quit, he yeah. was properly yeah. trampling like, last year. Like, like respect um, to him like for say, what he did last year. To be I fair, I spent some time with Kurt in America because he's got this the holiday company, right? So we did a thing with the magazine over there doing that, and we was driving back and forth to track, just chatting away, and he just absolutely loves riding bikes. So pretty much every week he'll go to Glen Helen on a Thursday, which is the roughest, toughest track in SoCal. Yeah, yeah. And all bust out thirty minute motor, yeah, yeah. two, three, thirty minute motors, just, just every, for the sake of it, just because yeah. he likes riding. Like the whole reason he set up this holiday company is because he, he wanted he wanted people to come over and ride with him. He wants to go out riding. Yeah, he wants buddies to come and ride. So, yeah, well, what you're missing, Max, is he can do that. Me and Nev would love to be able to do yeah, that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was just like blown away by. It. <laughs> yeah, I met yeah, him no. when when I did Farley that year, 2016 or 17. He qualified second. I'd never, I knew obviously knew who Kurt Nickel was, but I'd never ever spoken to him. He was sound, eh? Like, yeah. he shook my hand, I'm Kurt, like, whatever, whatever. And then he's, 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 is it his wife or his girlfriend? Uh, it's his wife. I yeah, yeah, she's quite, she also came American. over, like, yeah, like, very cool. Like, first time I'd ever, like, obviously you watch them, mm -hmm. but yeah, he was sound, I thought. And dude, still fast, eh? Like, oh, yeah. He's still like, whole, what, I dude. remember, I think it was 16 at Farley, and he was there, and he was like, Jesus, this yeah, guy's yeah. trucking for it, like, fair play. But I think Kurt, with his world championships, like, he was unlucky with injuries when he broke his femur. If I remember rightly, when he rode the KTM, and um, you know, like I had this conversation with somebody the other day. Someone wanted to buy a CR500, and um, a good friend of mine sells bikes. So I was like, um, "Yeah, I'll ask him what he's got." And um, you know, if you go back to them days, if you if you get any old parts like from a 500 Honda, like HRC 250, or you get a Kawasaki factory clutch cover or bits like that, you know, you there's a big difference back in them days when. You know, if, if, say, we took Neville now to Farley and said, right, okay, you've got a KTM 500, you've got a CR500 there. Like, for sure, you're picking the CR500 mm -hmm. all day. They're, back in them the days... The KTM 500 had this kickstart on the wrong side. Yeah, I mean, it was a good bike, a big power. Mm -hmm. But I think back in them days when the bikes were older, I think there was, there was a big, big difference. difference. If you had a factory yeah, HRC yeah, yeah. Honda... Big difference in it, eh? Like that, now, that's you don't still really, a good bike you now. You really get a bad motocross bike now, do you? There's no. just ones that are slightly better than the others. Like, yeah. None of them are, like, terrible. 
the, I think all all of them, like every manufacturer now, like the bikes, bikes, are, like they're 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 all on a, a par. They're all really good bikes. Yeah. I say another guy in that mix has got to be Monik Bovitz. He finished second a lot to Stefan when Stefan was, you know, in that kind of like yeah. phase before his last phase when he was on the, like Rats and Honda and the Kawasaki and stuff. He Bovitz was, was always there. Yeah, he was good, yeah. yeah. But then, you know, you talk about Bovitz, there was another guy who was really, like when he got the Johnson Suzuki, was really good. Werner De Witt. Werner De Witt. <laughs> you know, there was, there was, there was see, lots guys. of good I guys. I only know Werner De Witt from Farley Castle, from yeah. racing the... Um, the vets, oh, okay, and he hauls around there. He was good, man. But he, but he, like, uh, he'll hate me for saying it, but like, he'd be having a fag and everything, oh, like, yeah, yeah, like no problems at all, and then still banging out a forty-minute motor yeah. around one one. You're like, hold on one a of second. The, one of the best races I've ever seen, like in person, was between Werner De Witt and Ryan Hughes at Farley Castle in 2012, which ended in punching nearly, I think. No, didn't no, it? Didn't it, it didn't. Like it, it nearly did on track. They were booting each other on track and everything, and then. Like we, everyone ran over to the rhino's tent to see what was going to happen. Yeah. And the wit came over and he's like, oh, in the bushes, you need to put me in the bushes. And you're like, that's so funny. It's just like, he didn't care, he was just having fun. Yeah, it's cool when I've people... got that. I've got the clip of that. He was yeah. like, in the bushes. Some people still brilliant. take that, like when I did that folly, some people still take it serious. Yeah. Jeez, like, like, I I don't care. Like, I'm there to just, it's like, evolved, drink man. some that, beer that, and enjoy the weekend racing. Some time. people are like, it is... It's, that is their, like, their weekend, yeah. isn't it? He's evolved massively from what it was ten years ago. I think Kurt took it pretty serious last year yeah, as well. Yeah, one hundred percent. But he was Brownie he was, takes it game. serious. Brownie, like after that one race of me, like I was high five in the car and he just drove straight past I me. I think last year was. I think last year he had a problem, or Billy, Billy got him, and I think he went down, or Billy took him down, or Billy maybe brake checked him. You know the old classic, yeah. and uh, he wasn't happy because I know Mike well as well, and Mike. Yeah. But that that's hard to get rid of as well. Yeah, but dude, like, when do you let that go? Yeah. You just say, isn't it? <laughs> it like, do, do, like, doesn't go sometimes. Do, do you know what I mean? Like, jeez, like, dude, like, just relax. We just got to like, <laughs> sort of show on for these people. You know, there's no prize money. That's it. What about um then like more modern riders? I think Clement the Sal's a ah uh, yeah, I forgot about a good yeah, pick. Is he's how many times have he, has he been second? He's always been there, Cute. just behind Carlo. But that's kind of that's the kind of the world the world is, and we talk about the second place rider, yeah, because um, there's always a top guy. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, you know, you could say you could say that about Caroli when Hurlins is there. True. You know what I mean? I, I hate saying that, yeah, but like, yeah. you know, Hurlins is that good. You know, and um, you know, it's um, you know, it, it's kind of just the way motocross is. I think. Do you know what I mean? You, there's it's always like if, someone. If James Payton wasn't there. You'd be winning everything, wouldn't you? In your day. <laughs> <laughs> I chatted to him today and I, I did say to him, remember 99, do you know what I mean? Um, yeah. But, you, you know, it's um, it, it's kind of, yeah. Someone's got to win. Every single yeah. time you race, somebody's got Exactly, gonna it's awful to say it. Somebody's going to finish last every time. Exactly. Yeah, like, Perverts was never as good as ever. No. You know, there was a, clearly a big, yeah. a big difference. Sal then, isn't it? You well, know, Kind of my last, the last one I'll mention is Tommy. Yeah. Where he's had how many seasons? Eight was that close. Twelve, he was that close to winning the world championship. Mm. He came I mean, close. So he like he came really close. I was actually times. thinking about Tommy. Like obviously with kids coming through and stuff, and you see like a lot of the kids win the amateurs, and then it takes him three or four years in the British to like get to the top five. And like Tommy, his first year was podium in British MX, uh, British championship races in MX2. Yeah. And yeah, I think he podium GPs as well. Yeah. Like he, 
we're know, talking about fast track career. He was yeah, he like he was there straight away. Like he like he did some under twenty one races. I think he got yeah. thirds and then he and then he won that championship. Yeah, but like yeah, first season podium British into GPs qualifying straight away and had a podium his first year. You know, like it's been a long time. I don't think we have seen anyone since then. You know, not not on not going straight to that level from yeah. coming from the youth racing in England. You know, so did he? He went to America, I think, in two thousand nine. <clears throat> Because he uh, had the season in 2008 against Rattray. Yeah. Uh, and Corelli yeah, crashed yeah, out. Yeah. And then in 2009, he went to America. Was it that late, was it? I'm pretty sure. Yeah, because yeah, Tyler won in 08. Yeah. And he beat Tommy was second. And then Tommy went to, uh, Tyler and Tommy went to America yeah. the next year. And Tommy got injured, didn't and he? Tommy, pretty much in, instantly, yeah, he's, didn't he? He didn't do the Supercross that year, next yeah, year. Two. Did the first one and injured yeah, himself. Yeah, that's right. That's it. Time. But I spoke to Tommy. I'm sure he was third overall in the outdoors that year as well. Yeah, he had he was number one, two, three. I think when he got the muscle yeah. bit, he had a KTM. couple of yeah, podiums yeah. as well. Yeah, that was in a, a time as well. And KTM wasn't mm. like it is yeah, now. Yeah, though, in America it? it wasn't like in Europe they were. Yeah, there. in Europe. Yeah, they, over there it was MDK Speed, wasn't it? I think at the it was time. Muscle Milk. Muscle, muscle yeah. Milk KTM. Yeah, and then he had one more season there, didn't he? And he came yeah. back in eleven. I think, I think Tommy's like I think like he's suited to the MX2 bike. Like all, like most of his success has been MX2. I think he rides an MX2 bike, awesome. But one of the best seasons I remember is 2012 with him versus Hurlins. Like, yeah, how much stuff yeah. that happened that season? It and like, great. how many people can spend a season racing against Hurlins as well? You know, like, yes, yeah. Tommy was Tommy was pretty special. Yeah. And then that year as well, didn't Tommy win the English GP yeah, that year as well? GP, yeah. yeah. Didn't Sick. he win both motos? Over yeah, because that was that was the year that with the um, Pocock incident with uh, um, in Portugal. Uh, yeah. uh, Herlins and was lapping po- Pocock and he came over oh, okay. and then he did the post race interview and was like swearing at him and stuff so Herlins Her- Her- yeah Herlins was like public enemy number one yeah, yeah. At, at home and then Tommy came out and won the race and it was like the best weekend ever yeah <laughs> and that's a good time it's racing it's funny eh? yeah, there's too many names to mention we were just talking like there's too many names to mention for the bigger picture yeah there is I mean it's I mean Tommy Tommy like I worked with him in December like he's superb rider, like mm-hmm. superb rider, and I think at the moment, like looking at the weekend, like um, he, he he's just if he can get out the gate, he's going to run up there. Do you know what I mean? He's going to be between four and four and six. He could, he's got the speed. It's just basically It'd be nice to see him have a season like that. Eh? Get back into like the like between five and ten would be quite cool. Eh? The problem is, is it, it's the the level. You know, like like again when I watch that when I watch that um, that. Caroli GoPro. We can get them out now. Or from the heat race, the two races. It's like um, it's like he's paid to get the whole shot. Do, oh, do you know what I mean? I, I don't mean it in a, like you know. You kind of watch and you think like, God, he's got another whole shot. You know, you watch the Prado kid. Like they oh, must, shit. they yeah, must yeah. be like having drinks with the guy kicking the board just down. Just makes it. Just makes yeah. they know how much easier it makes their life. Yeah, though, doesn't it? But but you imagine like also it's okay for us to say that and but you know. You know, you, you doing it's a different story. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They, they they everyone, do, everyone's yeah. got the same thinking, aren't they? They, they seem to do it every, every start. Yeah. You know, and I, I think it's a confidence thing, though. Eh? Like if you like, I've had it before. When you send the line, you know you're gonna you hold shot. You hold shot. Yeah, most yeah. of the right. time, you I know, like most... he must roll up on the line every time. Like he's got a good power to weight ratio. Yeah, he's light. You know, like he's got his just... set up good for the starts. He obviously practices his start, but he's always been, even when he first came on, won that Yamaha. That yep. that's kind of why he learned so quick. I think because. He was always at the front of the race, learning from those guys at the front. You know, you're obviously always learning from people you're racing against, around. Yeah. 
and you know he was always at the front, you know, and then spend a little bit more time every single week. He'd spend a couple more minutes with those guys, and by the end of the season, he was, you know, he'd learned so much through that year. Like he was winning races at the end, you know. Like so, he's always been he's always been good out the gate. But yeah, you know, it's obviously something he works on. Yeah. You know, like I know KTM that one year when they had that special gearbox, like no one could beat them out the gate. You know, like obviously all the other manufacturers have caught up with that now. But I think Caroli as well, like you're saying, he was learning. Because obviously he's come from Italy, from Sicily, hard pack tracks. Yeah. And now he's known as one of the best sand riders in the world. And yeah. I remember, what it must have been like seven, eight seasons when it there was like, yeah, Carrera's been working on the sand, working on the sand, and all of a sudden he was just the best in the sand. So he must working. naturally be able to soak up, up and learn and work. And I don't see how things. you can be at the front of the World Championship unless you live in there. Yeah, I mean, like I said, you know, if you go. You know, if you go there every week, go that Valdover, or you go into Lommel, or you base yourself there, it, it, it can only go positive here. And mm. Caroli's done the hard work before in the sand. Now he's learned how to ride it. Mm. He probably just tops it up all the time where he's done that years ago because he's been good. Yeah, five, six yeah. years now. He's been like he's, he lives in. in, in but even like look at Lupino, like on the weekend was you know for yeah. like half the motor he was good. So he's you know he's also from yeah. Italy. He was never yeah. good in the sand. So. A lot of people, love, you know, a lot of people work at it, spend their time there, and it does pay dividends in the end. I think it does. Yeah, it's hundred percent, really. Right on that note, then we'll wrap up for this week. Thanks again, lads, and no problem. thanks again to B Motor for sponsoring us. Uh, check those guys out. Uh, everything, all the links will be down below. Um, don't forget to like, share, subscribe. Check out Nev on at Nevster two seven two. What two seven two race school on Facebook? Yeah. And Neil still doesn't have Instagram or Facebook or anything. He's just spinning Spanish on the weekend. So thanks again, lads. We'll, we'll catch you next week. This has been a plug, so thanks again. Thank you.